you for the opportunity. Uh, my name is Don Blancett. Uh, our son is Pastor Chad, the lead pastor of both campuses. And uh, I have pastored at Nixa First Assembly for 24 and a half years. Retired in 2017, moved Republic. Um, Chad had asked if we would help him with their senior adult ministry. And I know that you now have your senior adult ministry going here as well. And I want to encourage you to really get behind that senior adult ministry. I don't know how many we have that are 50 and above, but uh, every one of you should start attending because I'm telling you, at our 50 plus at Republic, we have a blast. They are some of the meanest people in the world. Maybe not meanest, maybe they're the most mischievous people in the world. And of course, with me there, that makes it worse. I guarantee you that uh, that probably makes, me, makes it worse. But we have, a, we have a great time. And I do want to mention to you that on October the 15th, is that correct? Uh, we are, we're combining the groups and we're going to go to Branson for a Southern Gospel show at 2 o'clock. And it's a comedy show and Southern Gospel. It's my family. Uh, my uh, my uh, cousins used to sing with Mel Tillis as the stutterettes, as they said. And uh, so the tickets are normally, I think, like $40 a piece. And uh, they're selling them to us for $15. So if you would like to go, Gary and Lisa Samuelson are the leaders of 50 plus here and get with them. Man, we'd love to have a great group go from, from here. It starts at 2 o'clock. And you say, well, what am I going to do about eating? Well, what we did last time, we on the way down grabbed a burger or something. And then after the show, we went in and ate right there. It's at the Grand Country Theater. And so we will have a great time. And you don't have to be 50 plus. Uh, anybody that wants to go and enjoy the afternoon, you're welcome to go with us. Normally, I, you know, I will have a little humor or something, but I feel such a heaviness in this message with what I have to share with you today. What I want to talk to you about is what if... Jesus was serious about eternity. Think about it. What if Jesus was serious? We're in that series. What if Jesus was serious? But my theme today is what if Jesus was serious about eternity? Now, normally I read a scripture passage. Most preachers do, and that gives you the context for the sermon. But today I don't want to do that. Instead, I want to do something that I don't think I've ever done. I want to read the verse of a song. It's a song that all of you will know. It's called Amazing Grace, and it's the fourth verse. And that verse says, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. And I want you to catch this. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Do you see that? When we've been there 10,000 years. But now, if you'll give me some leeway, <clears throat> I want to change those words. I want to change one word, actually. I want to change it to make it a little bit more dramatic and more uh, understanding to you, maybe. So, because, and it says this, when we've been there 10 trillion years. Now, you could change that to... 
a hundred trillion or a thousand trillion or whatever you wanted to call it, but it says that we've no less days to sing God's praise. Matthew 19, 29 in the New King James Version says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold, and look at this, and inherit eternal life. I don't know about you, but I cannot comprehend eternity. I mean, something that never ends. We're so, we, we have such time limits, time restraints, and yet eternity has no time. There is no such thing as time in eternity. And yet, that's what we're going to be going to. Eternal, the word means seemingly endless, continued without intermission of or relating to eternity or having infinite duration or everlasting. Did you see those last few words? Having infinite duration or everlasting. There is no end to eternity. Folks, you have to understand that and, and, and hear me. You're going to be someplace in eternity. Every one of us are going to be someplace in eternity. There are two places, and we'll talk about those in this sermon. The word eternity itself means a seemingly endless or immeasurable time, the quality or state of being eternal. But look at that where it says immeasurable time. There is no time limit. There is no, uh, you can say, well, uh, a million years from now or 10 billion years from now, but it means nothing because there will be no time. Matthew 19, 16 says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? I'm trying to show you how the Bible really believes in eternal life. John 3, 15 and 16, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you see that? Eternal in one verse, everlasting in another. You can see by these verses that I've already read, that Jesus was extremely serious about eternity. He knew that eternity was a real thing, that it was not just something that somebody conjured up in their mind and, and Steven Spielberg wrote a movie about it and somebody tries to portray that. It's a real thing. It's not the figment of someone's imagination. So ask yourself this question. The topic of this message, what if Jesus was really serious about eternity? Point number one in this message is this, eternity is a long, long time. Now, what I'm really trying to say, I guess, is eternity is a really, 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 really long time. You cannot fathom it. You cannot imagine it. With now, we think when we sing that song, Amazing Grace, 10,000 years, that's just a drop in the bucket. That really doesn't mean anything. But that last line in there says, then we've no less days to sing God's praise. In other words, if you've lived there 100 trillion years, you've no less days 
to sing the praises of God. So eternity is a long, long time. There is never an end. And if you're like me, you cannot comprehend something like that. The Bible tells us that the future extends beyond earth, but not in the way that science fiction would want to portray it. God created mankind to exist forever. Do you know that? God created mankind to exist forever. You say, well, what about when we die? Well, that's just a brief interlude because then we go into eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 in the New Living Translation says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. You see that? He has planted eternity in the human heart. You are an eternal being. You may never have thought of that. You may never have even dreamed of that. Nobody may have ever said that to you, but you are an eternal being. And you are going to live in eternity. So it is very real. And you and I are going to experience this. We're going to find ourselves in one of two places. And I'll talk about that. But I think we use a word inaccurately when we talk about time in regards to eternity. Because there is no such thing as time in eternity. It re- do you see that? <coughs> There is no such thing as time in eternity. You're not going to say to God, well, I'll be back in a thousand years. No, there will be no such thing as time. Another word that I think we oftentimes use incorrectly, and that's spend eternity, spend in eternity. Spend, I looked it up, and it has the connotation of being used up. Eternity cannot be used up. No matter how long you have been in eternity, it's still going to be the same number of of time. Well, there's that word time again. Space that that we have left. Do you understand what this is saying? That you as as an eternal being are going to be alive somewhere 10 trillion years from now. And it's your choice. It's only your choice. Oh, uh, points number two and three come together at at this point, and there are two eternal destinations, and only two. Don't let anybody else confuse you. Don't let anybody else trick you, but there are only two eternal destinations. There is an old song that I remember singing when I was a kid. That song, and I'm not sure that I have the words exactly right because it's so long since I heard it, But it says something like, eternity, eternity. Where will you spend, there's that word spend, eternity. It's heaven or hell for you, my friend. Where will you spend eternity? So that brings me to point number two, and that's, was Jesus serious about eternity in heaven? I think you would be like me, I... I, I cannot comprehend a a, a life where there's no sickness and no pain. I cannot imagine no funeral homes, no ambulances. I can't imagine no police. Won't be any need for any of that in heaven. That's where we're headed. What a place. I'm telling you, 
I, I, I can get thrilled about it even though I can't comprehend it. It's so far above my imagination. But trying to imagine what it would be like <coughs> to live in peace, to live in harmony. Today, I mean, all we're seeing is war and fighting and hating and killing and brutalization. That's, that's everywhere. Every night there's something going on. People are killing and people are doing this and doing that. But in heaven, we won't face any of that. We're not going to see any of that. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. You'll never see a funeral home and a funeral procession drive through the streets of heaven. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a place of such beauty and such power and such awesomeness. And this is a little bit light, but I thought it was interesting. There'll be no light mill there. How many of you would like that? <coughs> you say, what do you mean? The Bible tells us that Jesus will be the light of that city. Revelation 21, 23 in the New King James Version says, The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. That is unbelievable that Jesus himself is going to be the light of that city that is going to radiate and it's going to take care of everything. That's how great heaven is going to be. Folks, I'm sure that all of us have been places that we just are amazed. <coughs> we just, we leave there thinking, I, I, I cannot believe this. This is so beautiful. This is so magnificent. Can I tell you something? There is nothing that man can create that is going to compare to the beauty of heaven. To that eternal home where you're going to live. Now, <clears throat> I have a personal request that I have made of God. And I'm serious. I have made this request. Now, whether it's answered or not, I don't know. But I have told God that I want to sit down with a DVR or a VCR or a DVD or something and watch everything that has happened from the beginning of time, how God created the universe up until the day that the rapture takes place. Now, how many of you would like that? I mean, I'd like to sit down for just a few thousand years, Ethan, and just, just watch how God speaks the world into existence and out of nothing. You know, I've heard it said, and so I'm sure this is nothing unusual to you, but the Big Bang Theory. Well, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. Here's how I believe it. God said it, and bang, it happened. So that's the way I believe in the Big Bang Theory, that God said it and bang, the world came into existence. I want to sit down and just watch how it all took place. I mean, it could take years and years and years and thousands of years to see it all. But I don't care. I've got plenty of time. That may not interest you at all. You may just want to Walk around and visit everybody. I've got parents and grandparents in heaven. I'm going to get to see them. It's going to be a reunion like I have never known. So I ask you, are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you really sincerely ready? 
John 14, 2 in the New King James says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I stop right there. There has been many who have argued over the years that the Scripture doesn't really mean mansions, but rather that it means dwelling places. And that may be so. I mean, I'm... I, it, but I think it's a foolish argument. And here's why I think that's a foolish argument. Simply because do you think that God is going to build streets of gold and a beautiful heaven and put a cabin in the corner of glory land? Do you think that God is going to make some little tiny home? By the way, folks, I'd die in those tiny homes. I could not handle those. I'd get claustrophobic. I'd have anxiety attacks, and they'd just find me dead right there. You think God's going to build a tiny home? I don't care whether it's a mansion or whether it's a dwelling place, but I know this much. If God has gone to prepare it, it's going to exceed <coughs> anything that I have ever witnessed or have you ever witnessed. It's going to be beautiful, unimaginable. Are we going to live in homes in heaven? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that it's going to be a place of perfection. It's going to be a place of wonder. It's going to be a place of excitement. Revelation 21, verses 11 through 27, and I'm not going to read them, but I want to just give you some of the highlights. Describes heaven as a place of such beauty that we cannot describe it. It tells us in that passage that the streets are pure gold. Now, we have paved streets. We have gravel, and then they'll put either pavement or they'll put uh, concrete on top. I don't get it that way. I believe that when it says it's, the streets are pure gold, I mean it's pure gold. The, the foundation is gold. The, the top layer is gold. It's going to be gold streets. Now, I don't need anything like that. I don't need to be impressed that way, but that's just who God is. He cannot help himself. He loves doing for his people. He loves taking care of you. He loves providing for you. And he's gone to prepare a place like that. The streets are pure gold. The foundations are garnished with precious stones. I mean, the foundations are the ugly part of the house that you usually can't see. But here they're garnished with stone. There are 12 gates with each gate being made of one pearl. Now, I don't know how big those gates are, but what makes a pearl? Where do you, where do you find a pearl? In an oyster. So if one gate is one oyster, it's one pearl, what size is that oyster? It sounds funny, but that's how great our God is. He doesn't want to do anything halfway for us. I mean, to be honest with you, if he built me a cabin in the corner of glory land and <coughs> said, come on home, that would satisfy me because I could be with Jesus. But he just won't do that. He can't help himself. No sin will be there. No murder, rape, evil. You can, you can walk the streets of heaven 
and not have to worry about being attacked like has happened so often lately in our city streets. You can, you can walk the streets of heaven and not worry about being robbed. It's going to be a place beyond comprehension. And that is my eternal home, eternal home. When I've been in heaven 10,000 years, I've still just started. But most importantly is the fact that Jesus will be there. That I will get to run up to him and fall at his feet and say, I love you. I love you, Jesus. And just be able to praise him and magnify him for all that he has done for my life. That will make heaven worthwhile. But there is another side of this coin. And this is the one that has left me so heavy hearted. Point number three is this. What if Jesus was serious about eternity in hell? Now, I have not heard a message on hell in, shoot, it's 20, 30 years. I've not heard a message on hell. I think ministers got a little bit afraid to preach on it because they began to title it Hellfire and Brimstone Preacher. Well, entitle it what you want, but I've got to share with you about eternity in hell. I, I, I've never been one that liked to beg. If I ask my wife to do something and she doesn't want to do it, I'm not the type that just tries to force her to do it and make her do it against her good will. I'm not, I'm not the type that begs. But can I tell you something this morning? I'll get on my knees and I will literally beg. I will plead with every one of you that you make sure that you go to heaven. I will beg you, I will plead with you that you do not survive in the flames of hell. Now listen to what hell is like. There is a teaching that is going around today that is nothing but an out-and-out lie. It, it says that hell is just a place on earth. It's just problems on earth. There is no literal hell. There is no real hell. That hell is <coughs> just the problems that you're having on earth. Let's say you go to the doctor and they give a report of cancer. And you have to go through chemo and radiation and all that goes with that. That's your hell. That is a lie. That is a lie because hell is a very real place. I, I, I hate to be so blunt about it, but folks, hell is a very real place. And it, it offers indescribable pain and suffering. Listen, Matthew 25, verse 46. And these will go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Did you notice that? Into everlasting punishment. How can just something that you're going through on earth be everlasting? It isn't. It's impossible. But you're going to go into everlasting punishment into the flames of hell if you do not know Jesus. Let's say that you have known Jesus, but you've wandered away. You need to rededicate your life to God. Surrender your life to God again. 
Luke 8, uh, 16, verses 19 through 26. It's a story that probably you've heard many times. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and flared, uh, fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And listen, and being in torments in Hades or hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. This is how bad it's going to be. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all of this, there is no escape. Between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. There is no outlet. There is no escape. I'll be honest with you. I wish I didn't have to preach this. I wish I didn't have to tell you that there was a literal hell. I wish I could give you all good news. And I didn't write it, but Jesus wrote it. And he tells us about it. And he, he warns us and he tells us, please give your lives to Jesus so that you don't have to end up in that place. Mark 9, 42 through 44. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble... It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. I don't know how this works. I... <clears throat> I can't explain it to you. But I can tell you down there in that place of the doomed and the damned, you'll hear no child laughing. You'll hear no prayers going up. Oh, you might be hearing prayers. You might be hearing people desperately crying out, See, please save me. And I realize I've made a mistake. It's going to go on for eternity. You say, I'm a good person. That doesn't mean anything. You've got to know Jesus Christ. You've got to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and then live the life. I'm not asking you what denomination you are, or what church you attend, or how much money you have, or how much success you have, all of that will fade. But what you've done for Jesus, herein lies the good news or the bad news, whichever way you want to look at it. You can choose 
where you spend eternity. You can choose. The good news is that no one else can make that choice for you. And the bad news is that no one can make that choice for you. Eternal life with Jesus starts the minute that we ask him into our lives. The life we start with Jesus on earth will continue into eternity. And likewise, if we choose to live without Jesus on earth, we'll continue to live without him in eternity in the regions of hell. Friend, I, I study the end times a lot. Over the years, I have spent hundreds of hours studying end time events. And I am firmly convinced that Jesus is coming back soon. There, there are signs that are taking place today right before our very eyes that were prophesied two, three, and 4,000 years ago. And they're happening right in front of us. You say it's just luck, it's just coincidence. No, God said it would happen. God made a statement that Israel would become a nation again. And did you know that Israel was not a nation for almost 1,900 years? From 70 A.D. to 1948, there was no national Israel. But on May the 14th of 1948, Israel was voted in by the U.N. as a nation. And ever since their inception, they have fought one war right after another because the world hates them so much. That is one of the greatest signs of all to me that Jesus is coming. I don't know when, but I do know this much. If you're ready when Jesus comes, you're going you're to sail out of here. Now, don't ask me how that happens. I don't have the faintest idea. I just know that it's what the Word of God says, and I believe the Word of God. So today, I'm closing but I want to ask you a serious question. Ethan, you can come forth if you would. I'm asking you a question. Do you know that you're ready to meet Jesus? Maybe you've never asked him into your heart to be your savior, or maybe you have, but you have wandered away and you need to use this day to rededicate your life to Jesus. I'm not telling you that living for Jesus is, is an easy lifestyle. It's not. There are battles that we have to face. But when I think about the realities of the cost of not living for Jesus, it makes those problems seem like nothing. Do you know that you are ready to meet Jesus? Folks, don't worry about what somebody else does. Say, well, I don't, what will people think of me? I tell you, it's time that we quit worrying about that. We don't need to worry about what somebody's going to think about us. We need to think about what Jesus feels about us. Do you know that you're ready to meet Jesus beyond any doubt? I have not preached this message to scare you. I was assigned this topic of eternity, so it was not something that I chose on my own. So it's not like I went out and said, I want to scare people. But I have to lay my heart out before you. Inwardly weep, because inside I'm weeping right now. 
because some of you are going to reject this and say, I've got lots of time. I've got plenty of time. I'm going to get it right one day. Folks, none of us know how much time we have left. Would you bow your heads?